Hi, I'm Kirk Flagg. Welcome to the PEO InSync podcast. In each episode, we will take you behind the scenes to explore the ever-changing PEO world. We will talk with the industry legends, the people whose hard work and creativity shape the PEO world of today. Also, we'll interview current industry leaders, those who are using their own creativity to grow and expand what it means to be a PEO. Thank you for listening. I hope you enjoy today's episode. Good morning. This is Kirk Flagg, and as I promised in my introduction, my mission is to provide you with information that can help you grow your PEO. In that process, I'm bringing you the legends of the PEO industry, as well as people who are making a name for themselves and changing what it means to be a PEO. Today's guest falls into that latter category. I have Mike Damano of Samuel Hale. And I once I've learned about what Mike is doing with Samuel Hale, I just I lit up because it's such a great idea and I really appreciate his vision in this. So Mike, when we first talked, I, I learned that we were both from Michigan. Yep. That you went to Michigan State. You're actually a wrestler at Michigan State. So how did wrestling help you today at Samuel Hale or lead you to uh, starting a PEO? Well, I don't know if it helped me start a PEO, but it certainly is probably responsible for having me stick with it. You know, PEO business is not for the, the faint of heart, especially um, in California in the light industrial space. So coming from family of entrepreneurs on both sides, we were always trying to figure out how to make things better um, for business owners. And advice I got from my dad early on was, you know, try and help, try and be strategic with, with your clients because you know how tough it is to sit on this side of the table. And being in the PEO space and, and seeing how difficult workers' comp was, that, that was really the, the beginning of, of uh, how we started Samuel Hale. And all of us were wrestlers, my dad, brothers, cousins, uh, everybody. Well, I know that Catholic Central from growing up in Michigan had an excellent wrestling program. So that not only wrestling in college, but wrestling at uh, what I knew as DCC, but I think it's, uh, it's just Catholic Central now. Tell us a little bit about Samuel Hale. I, I didn't know beforehand, but I discovered that Samuel Hale was the Republican governor of New Hampshire in the nine, or the 1890s. Uh-huh. I don't know if that has anything to do why you chose the name, but tell us about your footprint, your approach to PEO, where you're located, and about your clients. Yeah. So Samuel Hale is a, um, is a California-centric, uh, workers' comp-centric uh, PEO. And the idea of Samuel Hale really spawned from my own challenges with workers' comp. I had a, a large uh, staffing agency with about $50 million in, in payroll. And just having experience in workers' comp, running a TPA and, and having several agencies and dealing with it over the years, I thought I was pretty good. And I, I had kept the uh, experience mod between 0.72 and 0.87 for four years. And then in about three months, I was absolutely obliterated, uh, or our XMOD was, by 
you know, let's call it 15 or so fraudulent claims. And that little three month window caused my X mod to ultimately increase by over a hundred points. And so that was uh, when the old wrestler came out and I, I just said, you know, this is crazy and studied the, uh, the law and found out what was available. And it turns out that California has a provision that allows you to, to carve out of the uh, workers' comp appeals board process, which is where the attorneys were playing their games and move into something called alternative dispute resolution. And so we built Samuel Hale around that labor code. And when we were branding the company, trying to decide what we were going to call it, the a lot of the, the DNA part deep down inside us that made us start this company was very revolutionary. And the revolutionary war kept coming up. And so we uh, took two founding fathers, Nathan Hale and Samuel Adams, and we took the first name of one and the last name of the other one, and we created this character called Samuel Hale, and that's how we started it. And, you know, our primary goal was to help customers who were suffering from post-termination claims, uh, you know, CT claims, all these uh, anomalies in California that you don't, you don't necessarily have in other states. Right. So, and I apologize to Samuel Adams and Nathan Hale on that, that I thought they were somehow okay. the governor of New Hampshire. But um, what does what your client base look like? The size of the, the groups and or the industries they're in? So we're, we're about 400 million right now. Most of, uh, most of it's in California. And it's primarily lower wage, high turnover industries. About half of it is temp staffing. And um, the other half are everything from restaurants to uh, manufacturing, logistics, hospitality, a lot of those types of industries. Okay, interesting. Basically, everything that the big box stores don't want, uh, you you guys are focusing on. Well, tell me how this works a little more, if you can. I, I, I was looking at a statistic about your company. It's on your website. Mm-hmm. And the, the average cost of a claim, and I'm assuming this is all claims in the state of California, 68900 per claim. Is that, is that all claims? No, that, those are, that's, an indem- that's an average indemnity claim. Okay. So, um, which a high percentage of those are litigated, and that's what generates right. high numbers. Yeah. So for Samuel Hale, you know, from 68,000, almost 69,000, the average claim is 5.6 thousand. I mean, less than 10%. Mm-hmm. You know, you, you mentioned briefly the, uh, the ADR process. How's that working for you? I mean, this is, you know, this probably has your mod down around zero, I would say maybe. If it goes that low, I don't know if they allow that to go that low, but how does this work? Yeah, well, it'd be the customer's mod that gets lowered because we do, uh, it is a rule for state. And so the customer gets the benefit of the reduction and claims over the prior years. But basically, um, one of the things that I do to help people gain some perspective on the value 
of not having frictional costs or litigation in workers' comp. Let me, let me take a step back and say workers' comp is a no-fault insurance. So the idea of no-fault is no fighting and uh, you know not necessarily needing lawyers. California is unique in that we have a very uh, liberal workers' comp appeals board that will hear just about anything. So I'll take a, a let's say a class code uh, 6504, which is food manufacturing. We have quite a bit of that. And look at those rates with a carrier in Arizona, Nevada, and Oregon, and then California and just compare them. And I've done this with underwriters and actuaries before. It's kind of a kind of an interesting uh, uh, you know uh, example because I asked them why is the rate three percent? and in the neighboring states, and then 12 or 14% in California. What is it about stepping over the border into California that makes the, the costs go up so high? And there's really three components to, uh, to claims. There's the uh, ALAE, um, which is the expenses that are allocated to a specific loss. And those are associated with fighting claims. So uh, the national average is about 9%. California is close to 20%. So that's about, that about doubles, but it doesn't explain why, why the rates are four times higher. So then you look at indemnity costs or the reimbursement for wages, and that doesn't explain it either because if you make $10 an hour in Arizona and you get hurt, versus $10 an hour in California, the outcome is basically basically the same. The benefit to the worker is basically the same. So the big issue is medical. And uh, medical rates uh, are, are, I should say medical rates, the medical cost in workers' comp is significantly higher in California than it is in these other states. That would lead you to believe that the average cost of a doctor's visit or a hospital stay or uh, reha- rehabilitation, et cetera, is four to five times higher, but that's not the case. Um, we have a fee schedule, and that fee schedule puts us right about in the 50th percentile in the United States. The okay. reason the medical costs are so high is we go to the doctor 10 times more for the same injury. And that's really the result of someone using an attorney and filing grievances with the WCAB to say, I don't agree with that doctor. So they have their doctor, the insurance company has their doctor, and then you have another doctor uh, called a QME who will sort of rule as to which doctor is correct. And all of that fighting and friction takes time and costs a lot of money. A QME is an example in California is $5,000, and I I think they recently uh, got a raise. So, oh, interesting. Well, yeah, I noticed another stat on your your website that in California, a typical claim takes 240 days to resolve. Those with Samuel Hale, 67 days. So, how does your system work? Do you have, uh, since first of all, ADR, mm-hmm. not necessarily to have an attorney in that system. So, there's cost savings there. Do you have specific medical examiners that you use through your ADR system uh, to costs there? I mean, you're cutting quite a bit of costs. It can't be just attorneys and medical, or maybe it is. Yeah. So first of all, we do allow attorneys in our system, 
but but they our rules are slightly different and and how they how they interact is is different so the first thing that happens when a we get a notice of representation or our carrier does is we we send a letter to the WCAB asking to have the case dismissed for lack of jurisdiction and we move that case from the WCAB into an alternative dispute resolution system run by honorable the honorable Dick Robine and his company Ombudsman Enterprise of America and so he manages about 20 other programs uh, like ours and he introduces himself to the injured worker and an attorney uh, if they have one and lets them know hey you're gonna we're gonna adjudicate this claim in a slightly different system and one of the benefits is the ombudsman himself uh, being a retired workers comp judge he knows the system very very well and he can his his job is to be an advocate for everybody and get the employee back to work uh, as quickly as possible and the believe it or not that process of just having someone uh remove the red tape and um, get people to more reasonable uh ways of dealing things that is in essence the 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 big saving you know the we do have a medical director that looks at every claim that tries to optimize the outcomes and so on and the types of industries where you have uh, lower wage, high turnover, you get a lot of post-termination claims. And this is a good example. Post-termination claims are non-compensable by law. And so in the old system or in the California system, employee leaves, you know, whether it's their fault or, or you know, whether they quit or they're fired. And, you know, three months later, you get that claim in, the carrier will do an investigation. And if they find that there's no reported claim, they'll they'll deny it. But in, in California system, the attorney can go to the WCAB and appeal it and keep that claim open for two, three years. In Samuel Hale's system, we just moved to a no-nonsense, quick examination of whether there was something actually there or not. And most of the time, there's not. And the ombudsman will let talk directly to the employee, even if they're represented or not, and say, hey, you know, here's what's going on. This is a uh, this type of claim is not allowed if, unless it was reported when you were working there. The employer has no history of that. If you can provide us some history, let's you know let's get this claim rolling. But if you don't have an answer, if you're just saying, "Well, uh, I think I did," and you have nothing to show it then we're gonna to move to a, a denial and a dismissal of this claim very quickly. Typical examples like a, what'll follow a litigated claim a lot of times is a, is a five body part or multiple body part component of it. And when the ombudsman calls the employee to say, hey, we just got this you know, new update, you're having all these, uh, you know, this pain or this, these issues, tell me what's going on. A lot of times the employee has no idea that their attorney filed that. Right. And so at that point, the ombudsman will say, hey, workers' comp fraud is a jailable offense. And very quickly, they, they snap to it. When I first heard about this, you know, I just think this is amazing because even though I'm an attorney, I recognize, I, I think I'm more of a, a process person than an attorney. 
-hmm. I like to see things run fairly and efficiently. And sometimes attorneys aren't efficient or maybe they fight against the system. Mm -hmm. So this sounds like a great idea to me and, and revolutionary, as you, as you said, but why uh, is it just because of the clients you face or why aren't other PEOs or other companies doing what Samuel Hale is doing? Yeah, they're, they're, well, it's a good question. And I get asked that a lot. And, you know, we've explained to people how we did it. It, it is a very cumbersome process and it requires some things that most companies aren't willing to go through. There's about 70 or so companies that are part of the labor code that we're uh, approved for, which is non-construction. And most of them are large municipalities or uh, Fortune 500 uh, companies. And so you need to have a long-term uh, approach. You need to have a, uh, an agreement with your employees. Our agreement is called the PACT, and every employee signs on uh, to the pack when the customer comes, uh, does business with us. So those, you know, those things right there are usually what limits, you know, people's capacity to do it. You need, you need money, long-term approach. You need to have an agreement with your employees. And then it's a, it's a process after that. You're, you're building a separate system, which requires, uh, you know, attorneys and doctors and, people to oversee the TPA as an example. Most TPAs don't know how to administer a, an ADR program. So you have to provide some overlay to, to help them. It's a workers' comp system itself is very disintegrated, right? It's, there's right. a lot of uh, competing components to it, which makes it very, very difficult. And so one of the things of a good ADR program is it's kind of uh, beginning to end in terms of the management and measuring the outcomes. One of the other things that has bothered me in California besides the workers' comp, and you know, when I looked at this independently years ago, I'm like, well, why is California so expensive? But the mm -hmm. thing that's bothering me more recently are these PAGA claims, wage and hour mm -hmm. claims that turn into class actions. And after reviewing a couple of them, the attorneys are the ones that are getting most of the money. I was involved with one where the, the named plaintiff got $10,000 and the attorneys got $300,000 and the state got another two. This, does this process help in uh, wage and hour claims or PAGA claims? Yeah. So in its simplest uh, form, we have an agreement with our employees for how we're going to resolve disputes, workers' comp and labor disputes. And the benefit to the employee is we cut right through the red tape and we get to the answer quicker, easier, and faster. So if they do have an issue, they don't, I mean, if you think about a lot of these PAGA claims, basically say, you know, someone didn't get their, their rest period. And that's never what it's about with those, because if, if it was simply a matter of, hey, we'll pay you for your rest period and we'll pay the penalties on top of it. A lot of times the, the costs are, are nominal. It, in a PAGA claim, the real challenge is the aggregating of the data and turning that over to your in, in attorney so that they can look at it before you turn it over to another attorney who's going to look at it. And then, you know, who knows what they find in doing that. So most plaintiff attorneys aren't interested in looking at the data. They're interested in the shakedown. And right. 
when we bring that employee in and say, hey, look, you've got representation, we can get your issue resolved without attorneys very, very quickly. And if you don't like it, you can move into the the court system. But in six years, we've never had anybody do that because the, the people who do have legitimate concerns, legitimate issues, we get them resolved and we get them paid in a fraction of the time uh, as compared to the state system. Right. And, you know, all of that stuff that you're talking about, that stuff that, that really sort of makes you mad. Employers are seeing that they feel that way across the board. You know, they feel like this state is an unfair state to do business in that it, that it's um, business adverse and, being from Michigan and coming out to California and just absolutely loving it out here. One of my, you know, secret goals has been to save these businesses from either closing down or wanting to move to Texas or wherever it is. I absolutely love California. It is more expensive here, but it doesn't have to be as bad as, uh, as it is for some employers. And so we try and find the ones who are really, really hurting and, and get them, get their, uh, you know, interest in California rejuvenated and, and get them back on the team. And I would imagine that while you focused on lower uh, level jobs, I think you said at one point, people making under 50,000 a year on average, you know, you could go into other locations that maybe had higher, but, but really had a, the management had an issue with, you know, PAGA claims or workers' comp claims, fraud claims. I mean, you're not adverse to blue collar, I guess, business. Yeah, our um, our risk profile is light industrial and white collar and blue collar, where there's no catastrophic risk inherent in the job. So we don't okay. like roofing and trucking because you know ADR only has so much benefit when you fall off the roof. But that being said, you know, the other thing that we're seeing out there, we have become a nation of lower paid jobs. And a lot of that is being driven by technology and just the Amazon-ish of the world, the Amazoning of the world, which we saw explode when COVID hit and everybody was hanging out at home, having stuff delivered to their house. All of these trends have created, you know, a scenario where we're close to 50% of the population in this country makes less than $40,000 a year. And that's the group that we feel is most underserved. Those are the ones that, you know, one of the things that our pact agreement does is we pull waste out of the system, typically in litigation, but it, other, other types of employment waste too. And we repurpose it to our customers in the form of lower employment costs, lower stable employment costs. But we repurpose money to the employees too in the form of benefits. And you know, one thing that uh, we don't do a, a good enough job of talking about is the fact that our employees that stay for any combination of our clients for two years get fully vested pension benefits. And that's extremely rare in this environment. People are are moving away from that. And Samuel Hale provides it as a matter of course. And again, Mike, revolutionary idea. You're also kind of starting a brand new concept that 
I know you're ex- you must be ecstatic over it because I'm excited about it. And I, I just heard about tell us about these employee uh, employee service centers. These are the places where not the clients go, but the employees, the workers, the worksite employees, as we say in the industry, can go and get several different services. Sure. Just share a little bit about that. Yeah. So we call them PACT centers. The name of our uh, agreement with the employees is called the PACT. And we make contributions into the PACT for every hour worked of every employee. And a lot of them, because of the uh, turnover uh, situation, a lot of them forfeit forfeit those, those contributions. And those contributions end up into a big pot of money that needs to be spent on the employees. And so we came up with this idea of having a, a center that we could, first of all, onboard the employees and into the pact through a, a, a I call it a timeshare sales presentation, because there's all of these incredible benefits, bonuses and things that they get. And a lot of times our customers, they, they have the employee sign the paperwork, but they don't tell them how all of the great benefits. They tell them sort of the bare minimum. Right. So we thought we'll have them go to the center. And in doing that, there were all of these other benefits we get through consolidation. One of which is we could have a clinic on location that could service our work-related injuries. And we discovered that in doing that, there was a fair amount of uh, vacant time and so we were turning that time over to our employees for non-work-related injuries, basic urgent care. And okay. so a PACT member can come into a PACT facility, and uh, once they validate their eligibility, they can see the doctor or the nurse practitioner or the PA for free. And that is no insurance, no copay, no EOB, just kind of a company doctor benefit. And those uh, medical professionals don't service anybody but PACT members. So that was kind of cool. And we, we figured out there were some other just regular day-to-day benefits that they wanted they weren't getting out there. One of them, believe it or not, was check cashing. We found out check cashing was a big issue that they were taking our checks and taking them down to the local check cashing place and paying 25 bucks. We wanted to have free check cashing for them there. And things like payday advances and, and all everything, you know, everything in that center is free to the employees. So we have immigration attorneys to help folks with uh, immigration. We have lots of training. So we'll, we'll go into a community and find out what are the industries that need to be served there. And we'll put training for those industries in the centers so we can draw the employees in through, through the center and get the employers interested by providing the kind of training that they that they need. So things like forklift certification, asbestos certification, we have a lot of folks in that uh, in that industry. Hospitality, you know, which has lost all of its workers during COVID and now is trying to rehire them all. And employees are tough enough to find find one that can make a, a bed you know, for a four-star, five-star restaurant, that's, that's, a, that's a whole nother task. So right. anyways, it's really about figuring out what the needs of the community are and promoting the training of that type of stuff in the center and aggregating the employees to come in there 
and letting them know that they can do business with any of our customers. So we help find employees for existing, you know, PEO customers, for existing staffing customers, and and so on and so forth. So it is a very, very needed benefit that, you know, turnovers is so crazy these days, just the cost of training, the cost of safety training that you have to do when a new employee comes on board, to be able to aggregate that and have it done with consistency and, and all that kind of stuff is a real value to the, to the marketplace. Yeah, it's, it's just, and I'm so glad you mentioned the check cashing because from my own personal experience, I just know how important that is to this uh, group of employees out there. Uh, I want to thank you for today, and uh, I hope we uh, see each other soon. That sounds good, and and I appreciate being on the show. And I also appreciate, by the way, someone providing some intelligence to the uh, the PEO community because it is a it's a tough grind, and uh, a lot of times people don't get around to paying attention to what else is going out there. So to to have a place to to get that knowledge is is super important. So thank you for that. Yes, I, uh, as I think I mentioned to you, when I got into the industry, there were so many people that helped me or brought new ideas to me. Uh, and, and again, I love the industry because you always have to be on your toes and coming up with new ideas. And, you know, I appreciate your sharing your, your process and what you're doing up in, uh, in the California space. Thank you. Well, yeah, thank you very much.